The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Get the chewables that give you the confidence you need and the performance you both want when it's time to have fun. BlueChew.com. Use code Vegas for $20 off your first order. Now, Waddle and Sylvie. BPWSHE HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Weekend, it's Waddle and Sylvie. Cubs lost today to the Braves. Get you updated there. Eight zero. Eight zip. No more uh, facing Waddle's Reds. No puss armed lefty is taking the mound for the Braves. Though uh, we did cash in uh, with Waddle today, and he did pay for lunch. We had uh, burgers from Small Cheval. We have a little burger. They're very good, but we have some burger fatigue right now. Do you know who else helped pay for those burgers? Who, Jake? The Cubs. Because I played the Cubs on the run line last night. Thank goodness Dansby Swanson hit a double in the bottom of the, uh, bottom of the eighth. Did you do like, moved wait, him around. Wait, was that an emotional hedge, or was that a hedge? That was in a case hedge because I wanted lunch. Yes. So, like, that way you, you would come out emotion- even? Yeah, there was no nothing emotional about it at all. So that it was way, a business you, decision. A business. Interesting. Yeah, it was a business decision. Very interesting. Yeah. So, Cubs lose today. We'll talk some Cubs in a little bit. I turned 50 bucks into 110. Okay. So, you came out pretty much even? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we've got Would You Rather a little bit later. So, get your Would You Rathers in. Hashtag at WS Would You Rather. Send them to Meller and Jake Cantu. Get them in. We'll read those in a little bit today. Uh, and uh, the best one, will get a, a Pride Store gift card. Tom Thayer, of course, is a Super Bowl champion bear. You will hear him on your new home for the Bears, ESPN 1000. Uh, Joniak at times will tell him not to show up at Hallis Hall. Yeah, I don't understand that. For Bears training camp. I don't understand that Maybe either. Maybe Jeff just wants the spotlight. Just all the shine. Yeah. Let's bring him in on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Tom Thayer joins Waddle and Sylvie right now. Hey, Tom. Man, how you guys doing? We're, We're doing, doing well. well. I mean, can you believe that, Tom, that Joniak said, yeah, Tom, I told him to stay home. I got this covered. Uh, you know, I was driving up there, and they had the storm warning. You get the weather report from up at Hallis Hall. They say they're going to turn everything out indoors. And then he called me up on my way. He goes, you shouldn't even come. You still, you know, there's no reason. So, you know, um, I, I took his suggestion. But you know what? Going to a first-day no-pad practice yeah. indoors with everybody else, I just wasn't that interested in it. I didn't think it would have a lot to do with what the Bears are going to do opening weekend against Green Bay. What if, it's a fair statement. If you were, if, if this was the NFL, according to Tom Thayer, how would you design training camp right now? Um, you know, I, I, I would have... Sorry, sorry. Or the dogs. Who let the dogs out? No, it's the mailman came. Oh, really? And, uh, I got, yeah, the That's mailman cool. came and he saw me sitting right in the front window with me. Um, you know, the modern, you know... You know, a couple days of the notepads, you know, to ramp up, to kind of check everybody's conditioning, get everybody moving in their right to their left, a little bit of classroom time. And then I would um, put pads on them for a period of time because I don't know how many padded practices they're going to have before their first um, 
uh, preseason game, let alone the big off the big off time they have before the regular season starts. And um, you know, to learn football, you got to play football, and you got to play it realistically. And that's making sure that you have contact, you have follow through, you have you know uh, the adjustment to all the the equipment you're wearing. So, and again. I, I'm not. I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon, but I do think you need those types of uh, conditioning and you know things to get used to the fundamentals and the techniques you're going to use. So that being said, would you allow full tackling? Certain drills, I would. I, I don't think you can get away from that in short yardage and goal line. Um, you know, I don't need to hear. I don't need to hear. I uh, have open field blindside blocks. However, in the last couple days. Uh, Chase Claypool, T. Waddle, you're playing a wide receiver, you're lined up far to your left, you come in motion, and then you're set up for a couple, you know, inside crack, uh, you know, kind of crack blocks, one on Brisker, one on the linebacker. And so uh, I I think everybody needs to get contingent for those events. The defensive players need to become aware of it, and the offensive players need to, you know, see if they can can do it. so, you know, all those little details that you have to kind of improve on during the course of camp. So, Tom, when you're trying to evaluate, you know, whether or not this group looks good or that group looks good or the offense had a good practice or the defense had a good practice, and I think, you know, trying to decipher what you're saying, and I know how I feel about it as well, you feel like you can make those evaluations significantly better when there's pads on than when there's not pads on because – if an offensive player doesn't have to worry about being roughed up, it makes his job so much easier. You know, T. Waddle, if you never had the threat of a collision at the end of a play, you would catch every ball ever thrown to you in the history without getting knocked out. And that's just some of the challenges that you have to present to everybody, whether it's an offensive guard pulling and trapping a defensive lineman. Right. Can he get low enough? Does he have the willingness to make that type of collision to open up the hole for the running back? Now, if the running back has a blitzing linebacker, is what's he going to do? Is he going to stand in front of that defensive player? Is he going to go up and meet him at the hole? And then how is he able at extending the protection for the quarterback? And, um, you know, to me, sometimes I get caught up, Tom, is I watch a lot of the individual drills, whether it's line or um, one-on-ones between the linebacker and the running back or one-on-ones between – the defensive backs and the wide receivers, and then the one-on-ones, obviously, with the offense and defensive linemen. Because I think that shows you a lot of um, willingness and athleticism, readjustments, being able to uh, see how they're going to combat exactly what they're facing according to position. And then um, when you get on, on 11-11, are they you know, mentally in the game? Are there you know egregious errors out there that open opportunities, offense and defense, and they need to hope that everything falls into place when they finally get to play against an opponent. All right, Tom, so what is your evaluation based on what you've seen so far in camp? Um, you know, I think if they can really um, architect this passing game efficiently, that the camp that Chase Claypool is having, and obviously what D.J. Moore has brought aboard, um, what Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon could do from the tight end position, Darnell Mooney and, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Tyler, Scott. Name? Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott, yeah, yeah, number 13. Um, you know, they, they have speed and they have suddenness and they have the ability to play a two-man game with either size and suddenness or double suddenness. So 
they have it. You know, now it just comes down to um, Justin being able to absorb the terminology perfectly so every time he goes to the line of scrimmage, he knows exactly what he said in the huddle and what it means to what he's seeing. And they have um, the, the ability to get, you know, to have the openings down openings downfield for that. And then, you know, I, and I hate to say it because it's my biggest complaint, is in the last couple of days, uh, Nate Davis hasn't um, practiced and Tevin Jenkins didn't practice today. If you're really going to improve this offense, it's going to be to limit the sacks, increase the pass protection time. So Justin has the ability to have that comfortable second and a half without any lateral harassment. And if he can do that, then, you know, the, they, ha- they have the receivers that can fit into this. And I don't want to leave out E.Q. St. Brown also because he's a big target for these guys. Tom Thayer joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. So building on what you were talking about with the offensive linemen and those two guys missing, is there has there been enough for you to watch, Tom, uh, uh, to measure what you've seen from the two tackles in Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright? Yeah, I, I love them both. And, uh, you know, I really like what Braxton Jones has brought aboard his second year because he set up the improvements he needs to make during the offseason to be more competitive at his position, and he's done that. He's thicker, he's stronger, he moves well. He's got better bendability. He doesn't make mental errors. Um, he's super competitive on, on one-on-ones, which is, you know, when, when you need to see signs of that. And Darnell is the real deal, man. He's like a Jibbo Covert coming in, where really? he's big, thick, he's strong. If you want to formulate a kind of a third and one and third and two plan of attack where you have a power center of impact, it's behind Darnell. And that's what kind of frustrates me with Nate Davis not being there because I really thought the guards were going to be instrumental in the development of this offensive line because an experienced right guard is helping along a rookie tackle and then uh, inexperienced side with Braxton and Tevin over there can kind of grow together. But you know, for an offensive line to work well, they have to have hundreds, if not thousands, of reps together in order to face any awkward circumstances during that happens during a game, and they don't need to call a timeout or have communication up and down the line of scrimmage. They know each other so well, and so that that's what they have to try to grow here as camp goes on. Tom, we had uh, Lewis Riddick on, and he said that Darnell Wright, in his opinion, could be an All Pro. What you just said, uh, it's like Jimbo Covert coming in. Jimbo Covert was an all-decade player who eventually made the Hall of Fame. Like, that is no small compliment on a rookie tackle. Yeah, but, you know, he has that alpha appearance, what the Bears are desperate for. He has that type A personality that's going to lead by example and not have to have all these things quoted about him, but he's going to go out there. He's got the bendability. He's got the feet to adjust to an inside and outside rush. He's a super intelligent kid. He's in good shape. You know, all the things that you would want to see, an example of how a guy spent his offseason for a first-rounder, he's presenting it to the Bears. And so, like I said, even though you, the opponent knows it, if you have those important third and ones and third and twos to keep a drive alive, he can give you that you know, that impact uh, push inside of a, a, a design running play to get those types of first downs that you're going to need throughout the season. Tom, you mentioned Chase Claypool. Um, 
Has he been a pleasant surprise, or has he uh, surprised you to the upside so far? He surprised to the upside because whether it's in the red zone or, or a couple of great blocks that he made in the center of the field to assist the inside running game, or just the way he goes about, you know, I don't know, Tom. When you're going to one-on-ones, wide receivers against defensive backs, is it an enormous advantage to the wide receivers, or you know, how do you judge that as a as a non-wide receiver? Well, there there is because like there's no there, there's no pass rush, so the play can last forever. And not just that, but if you're running an inside route, you can you can flatten that thing out as much as you want without the fear of running into a linebacker. So I think there is. It can be deceiving at times if, in fact, a wide receiver is, you know, is dominating a defensive back. But, you know, I, I watched him on Wednesday and I, I, I felt good about what he was doing. He is so big and so fast. What I want to see him do is play to his size and to his speed. And I don't think we saw that last year. No, but, but you know, that's going to be according to Justin. Justin's going to have to understand the most desirable place to put the football when you're throwing it to a guy like, Claypool, yes. because he's so big and his radius is so big, and you can throw a, a far enough away from a defender for what looks covered may be open because of how big he is. Well, I think that that has been probably one of the things that Justin needs to improve most on is look, open at the NFL level is different than open at Ohio State. Uh, you, you're going to have to make the decision to throw the ball into some tight windows and just trust, as you said, receivers ha- who have this you know, wingspan like a Chase Claypool. So um, you're right. I think that, that I, I, I think these two working together in the offseason and through camp, they'll find a little rhythm between one another. And hopefully this upcoming season, what you'll see is Justin doing exactly what you, you just said, Tom. You know, my, my, you know, going forward since the beginning of camp to where we're at and what, how the season's going to unfold, I'm, gonna, I'm interested to see what Darnell Mooney's place in this offense is because he's a super talented, gifted, dedicated guy that goes out there and works hard, does, in, does conditioning in between drills, gets the jugs machine out after practice. But when you think of DJ and you think of Clay and Cole and how the running game fits in, I, I'm interested to see early in the season where Darnell earns his opportunity. I got to tell you, Tom, I, I, I think that's a great that's a great question and an observation. And from what I saw, first and foremost, the injury doesn't seem like it's affecting him. He seems like he's running at full speed. Of all the guys you mentioned after DJ Moore, he's the guy I personally trust most. I agree, a hundred percent. And, you know, it's not only what he's already been able to accomplish, but it's, you know, it's also his dedication to Justin, uh, you know, and, you know, really being able to work reps with him to stay later, come early to do some extra work. And if he's not getting his reps in the, in the practices and the amount of throws that he wants, then he finds a time where he can get them. So he's never shying away from work. And I think, what you know? What I hear of DJ Moore and what a quality guy he is in the locker room, and then another guy backed up with Darnell. That that can do a lot for an offense, and it can do a lot for Justin's comfort zone as he grows through this. Tom Thayer joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on, on your new home for the Bears, ESPN One Thousand. I want to ask you about Ngakwe. Um, they signed him today. How much better do you believe this makes the Bears' defense? Uh, you know, it, it makes him a lot better because there was no candidates in front of him that were better than him. 
So he brings in experience. He brings in a bona fide pass rush. He brings in enough experience and enough of a reputation where you're going to have to consider his whereabouts when you call protections um, for the opponent. And now if you're concerned about the protection of the Mike linebacker or two in Gakwe, then now you're talking about thinning out the responsibilities and it could increase that window a little bit more for some of those guys that, that need the help. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Javon Dexter, uh, the, the draft choice, when you see him use his length on the inside, he can take up a lot of space. And then that has a lot of concern for the center guard or combining it on them how quickly they can leave him, or how quickly, if he gets into the gap, he's going to be pressuring upfield. And then it opens up opportunities and vice versa. If they can get some pass rushes on the outside that are significant, it's going to, it's going to open interior opportunities. Do you, would, do you want to see those young guys develop more um, by getting more reps, or would you want to see them bring in another veteran like Justin Houston? Um, the only other vet that I would consider bringing in and it'd be a King's ransom would be Jones from Kansas city, you know? Oh yeah. Chris so, Jones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Chris Jones. And then you're, you're, you're giving up capital. What, yeah. You're bringing it. You got to give up draft picks then. Yeah. I mean, you got to give up draft chick, uh, draft picks and an enormous amount of money. And, but again, if you bring him in, you're right there. Your defensive line should be considered probably, you know, one of the best or the best inside your division, which, you know, can help your back end and your linebackers that um, seem to be growing into a super talented group as well, the linebackers and DBs. Oh, I, I was going to say, um, have you been impressed or how impressed have you been with that back seven? I'm telling you, you know, the. Again, going back to the one-on-ones, that's why I asked you that question about receivers and defensive backs. I've seen, you know, Jalen Johnson. I've seen Eddie Jackson. I've seen Brisker and Tyler Gordon. All of them have interceptions, and 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 Tyreek Stevenson, uh, twenty-nine. Um, so, you know, it's kind of uh, I don't know who I'm cheering for. I'm cheering for the Bears to go seventeen and zero. But I, when I see a great play by a defensive back in one-on-ones, it always impresses me. Because I do feel that they have the big advantage with no pass rush and uh, limited amount of bodies on the field. How much do you expect these guys, the the first team guys, to play in the preseason, in particular the first preseason game? I'd make them play 20 snaps a game minimum. I don't want six snaps and out week one. This, This is a team that needs to have experience of facing an opponent. And if you go into every game, in injury is your biggest concern, then you're never going to get over the hump of really being an uncautious team that needs to play just lights out in, in order to win games. I like that. I like that. that that's a good thought right well, this there. This is a team, like Tom said, is like you're, you're trying to build now, so I think preseason reps are probably more important for this squad than maybe some other defined yes. teams in the league. You know, and listen, you know, Justin Fields, for example, I don't want him running the ball in the preseason. No matter if I call 15 passes in his 20 plays, I would rather an incompletion than have him run the ball. And it's more of give him a volume of live reps to get on tape, to go back to the classroom, 
to study them repeatedly and figure out, you know, where we're going with this. Tom, great stuff. We appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. All right, man. Look forward to talking to you again. There you go. Uh, Tom Thayer. Uh, Him and Joniak, of course, uh, comprise the Bears booth. Um, Jason McKee's going to be on the sideline this year. What day is it that we're going down to Peoria for the big tailgate? Is that a week from Monday? I think so. A week from Monday, we're going down to Peoria. 14th, 14th, is it? 14th. Yes, correct. So it's it's like they're doing a, a, a big thing with the Chamber of Commerce and the city of Peoria, which I haven't been to Peoria in years. Um, and, and we're, we're going to bring the Waddle and Sylvie show down there. Am I driving your ass to that as well? Well, do you want, what do you want to do? Do you want to save gas or do you want to uh, burn to, uh, Two tanks of gas to get there. What do you want to do? Do you want to save the environment or not? I was just waiting. I was just waiting. Do you want me to drive and do you want to sit shotgun? I'll drive. Really? Well, uh, let's save the environment. You want to sit in the RAV4? You want to recline in the RAV4? Maybe so, yeah. Maybe maybe you'll drive. I'll drive. Uh, That sounds better. Look, I'm not looking to drink, so I'll drive. That, we're not drinking there. We're doing a show for exactly. the Chamber of Commerce. And that's why I'll drive. Okay. Exactly. You're not, doing, like, you're not pulling a Yurko and doing mushrooms and a little weed. Yeah, the times that I ask you to drive is when I'm drinking. Right. Well, I'm not going to drink, so I'll drive. Yeah. That's fair. I'm in. Okay, good. Yeah, that's like a three-hour drive, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a it, haul. It, yeah. It'll be worth it. You know, he's very excited. Sonny in marketing. He's from Peoria. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's a big homecoming for him. Is he going to be there? Is he? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Let's do this. Let's go to Peoria. We're going to go to Peoria. See the home of, uh, isn't that where Joe Girardi came from? Is that his A lot hometown? of people came from Peoria. Didn't Jack Brickhouse come from Peoria? Hey, hey! I don't know. It, like, sure. That's the famous saying. Does it play in Peoria? Not aware of that. Yeah, like that's supposed to be like the... Midwest town. Would it play in Peoria? Yes. Like if it plays in Peoria, it can play anywhere. Really? That that's the phrase. Was that that was probably a phrase that was used fifty years ago. Probably yes, not so much now. Exactly. Because if it plays in Peoria, I'm not so sure it also plays in Chicago. It may. Could. But I'm not saying that's not a definite. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so that's I see a lot more sad Cub fans walking the streets now after you've had a game with sad? the Braves. Do you, are you sad? Are you are you sad? Are, are you, you sad? sad after the Cubs game today? Is, our, is our volume on? Uh, oh, no, he gave you a thumbs up. You're thumbs not up. sad, are you? Not no, sad. he's not sad. Okay. Waddle says he's sad. Are you guys going to Lala? Or are you coming from the game? Yeah, so we oh, see, he is sad about, very the sorry, about the Cubs. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a very happy young man, but he's sad about the Cubs. You I guys going to get your drink on right now? Why are you going to get your drink on right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where they, we're going right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah? See, he's got his Lala bracelet or his... Yeah. Uh, his he his said the, the Cubs made him sad, and so now he's going to drink, and he's yeah. going to be happy. There you go. That's what I said. I've seen a lot more sad-faced Cub fans walking the streets today versus when the last three or four days. All right, he's taking his phone out. Maybe he'll tweet us. Uh, let's. Do you want to talk some Cubs coming up? And if you want to talk to us, 312 332 Three seven seven six, or maybe he's calling the show. I don't know. He could be. Um, I don't know. And and uh, what does? Here's what I want to ask people: Get your would you rather's in. Last call for would you rather. What would six? I asked this to Boog yesterday. What would success look like for you for the Cubs now that they've made their run? 
now that they've bought and not sold, what is success? What does a successful 2023 look like for you, for the Cubs? 312-332-3776. Do they have to make the playoffs? Does just a winning record equal success? Do they have to go far? Do they have to win the World Series? He's got a picture of him in cap. Oh, boy. Yeah. Look at that hair on yeah. you, too. Not wow. on cap. No, not, not on cap. On, not on yeah. cap. Yeah. Um, so what is a successful season now look like for you now that the Cubs are in it to win it? Well, answer it coming back. I, don't know, I was I don't. just saying I was checking my phone and I didn't hear anything from Barb today. I didn't get any oh. tweets. No tweet today. They're not playing the Reds. You're not a brave fan, are you? No, no, but I just figured, you know, she'd still give him, send a, the tweet out. Swaddle and Sylvie. <laughs> Chicago Cubs baseballs on, on Marquee Sports Network. Tune in tomorrow when the Cubs host the Braves. First pitch is at 120. Tune in at noon for Cubs Live, the award-winning pregame show. Stick around following the final out for Cubs postgame live. It's Cubs Braves tomorrow at 120, only on Marquee Sports Network. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. So, uh, Jake just told us uh, for Sox fans that are still interested, um, Aloy's got another inter- injury. Is he out of the lineup tonight? He's out with a heel injury now, Jake. Is that what it is? Spencer just said he has a sore heel. Sore heel? Is that? Is he out because of that? I do not see him in the lineup today. No, he's not. He's not in the lineup. I don't see him. So Aloy's out. Uh, he wasn't he one of the last batters uh, yesterday, or he came out. He came up in the eighth, I think, with a couple runners on when they were down a run. So uh, another uh, another leg injury, wasn't, foot injury for Aloy. Was not paying close attention. Well, it just is. Uh, it's it it is really do, is like a snooze alarm. And it's like to... every nine minutes, it, it goes off with something, and it's annoying. You know, right? Isn't that the old snooze alarm every nine minutes, and it's just annoying. I'm trying to find the mo- the the most White Sox tweet of all time. I just saw it. Now I can't find it. But it was it was one that even Meller couldn't understand about something that had happened transactional. Oh, they're shaking and moving now. Yeah, I can't find it, Meller. It was about um, international money. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was this a, a trade? But how, how could, could they make a trade? trade? How could they make I don't a trade? Know how you can make they a made, trade? They, they made a trade with the Dodgers for like they sent some international money to the Dodgers for a couple of prospects. Yeah, but I don't. When did this happen? How did it happen? That's a really good question. I don't the, know. Yeah, the White Sox have acquired minor league right-handed pitchers Eldrin Batista and Maximo Martinez from the right. Dodgers in exchange for international slot money. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Like if Melick does it, he's a but, baseball nerd, well, and he doesn't know what that means. Well, you know what it means, but how can they do it after the trade deadline? How is that allowed after the trade deadline? Is it because there's no major league players involved? 
I would assume that has to be the case. Did Kenny make this move or did Rick? Well, we'll have to listen to Andrew sure. Friedman during the Dodgers broadcast tonight to or find maybe out. Pedro, <laughs> maybe Pedro Grafal actually made the move. Yeah, it was his knows? turn to make a decision. Who knows? Uh, Cubs lost today 8 to nothing. That is a that is a big ball a, a big ball as well. Uh, huh? That what? is a big boy baseball team in Atlanta in town from Atlanta coming yeah, to town. That is a big boy baseball team. What is it, Meller? That their top six guys in their lineup had eighteen home runs. Seven top seven. So they they came into the game. The top seven hitters in their lineup had at least sixteen home runs. But then because Sean Murphy homered today, they now have the top. Six hitters in their order all have 18 home runs or more. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they hit the long That's, ball. They uh, like uh, they long like, dongs. Wow. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what, answer my question. I asked that to Boog. Boog answered the question saying, because they were projected to win 80, if they win 85 games and they don't make the playoffs... It's a successful year. But doesn't your doesn't your expectation level change based on how a team performs throughout the year? Of course. It's always moving. Right. It, it, it's always sort of changing. I would say at this point, this is, you, you, and again, you are residing in the most manageable division in the National League. You've seen the Reds. Boog, I asked him yesterday, and he agreed that the Milwaukee Brewers are the team that poses the greatest threat to all of the other teams in the division. What are you now, two and a half, three and a half out of the wild card? Somewhere like that. I would think that, you know, getting to the postseason would be considered, even if if you're a, a wild card, isn't that considered successful? And not winning around? Yeah, I don't. I think getting there to me would be considered successful. Like it's always based on expectation. I thought they were going to be eighty-one and eighty-one. That's right, what I right. thought they were going to be. And you know where I was? I was eighty to eighty-four. Right. That was my like. I like. They had crappy moments, and they've had a you know they had a really great stretch earlier in the season, and this stretch that they're currently on has been very impressive. You know the way the Major League Baseball playoffs are now structured. I almost see no difference between a playoff berth and winning one round. It's almost like a bigger, like for it to be an actual next step in the accomplishments, I feel like you have to go to the LCS. Really? Because just for whatever reason, winning the first round doesn't really do much for me. It's the same as almost a playoff berth if you're one and done. I think if you're a projected team to be good before the season, getting to the LCS is the must. I agree. Like get it, we always say getting to the round of four. Final left. four. Get to the final four, and I don't care where you were projected to me, that's a successful season. And then like the breaks go any which way. And then eventually you hope in that window you get one. I think if the if the Cubs get a playoff berth this year, it's a successful season, even if they lose. But I'll I'll offer up the caveat. I think a lot depends on what they do with Bellinger and or or if they can go out and land Otani. Like if if next year you're heading into the season, but you you can't bring back Cody Bellinger and you didn't it's land Shohei Otani in his place. Like if the, if you can't build off of whatever you did this year into making it an even better team for next year, then whatever you did this year isn't really deemed successful. You have to continue and build momentum towards next year to make this year successful. But if you get to the postseason this year, success. 
Yeah, I that's okay. success for me. Is there is there though something lower that you can even deem this successful? Like if they like, I don't know if I would deem it really successful. If they're in I it would, to the end, and they've given you a really fun success, like a really fun frisky team that ultimately falls short of the wild card. I wouldn't look at but, them but as they a win eighty five. Right, not there's a difference between right. not a failure and a success. Correct, and I think that for me, somewhere in the middle right now would probably be where I would feel closer to success, obviously, than failure if they don't get to the postseason. But yeah, I mean, I think if eighty, you're eighty one and eighty one as projected. I, is that a success or is that just kind of status quo? If you're eighty one and eighty one at this point after their run and them buying, and if they end up finishing eighty one and eighty one, to me that's unsuccessful. Now, that is that is, is it a failure. That's strong. I, that's a strong now statement. We're that's a little semantics. too right. Now we're, but but a failure is a little too strong for me. But at, at where you are now, it's not a success. Disappointment. It would be a bit disappointing. Because like fa- you've already built the momentum to now where you should be a winning team this year. But remember, you've got to you, go 500 to just be a winning team for the remainder of the year. As you, and you've got one of the softest schedules left in the year. As you said, your your starting rotation now has more than a couple of you know issues. They do. They do. And that's why I don't think they're going to win anything. But they also, just to finish above 500, they have a soft schedule. And all you have to do is go 500 the rest of the way. To finish two games over 500. And if you don't win 83 or 84 games, you've missed an opportunity to move Bellinger and Stroman and get that, something back in return. That, that has to have factor well, well, in. Well, didn't, didn't, uh, again, didn't Stroman just dictate yeah, that? Like, did, didn't they just miss the boat on the timing of all this anyway? Well, this yeah. is why I said, and, and Jeff, that's kind of why I factored in getting to the postseason would be. A success because if you don't get to the postseason and you haven't and you didn't obviously move Bellinger, then you may have a touch of remorse. You may say, "Oh, it's easy to be remorseful now." And and back then we were coming off of a ten out of twelve streak. But when you get to the end of the finish line and you if you don't get to the postseason and you didn't move Bellinger, you're going. I mean, there'll be a belly ache. There'd be a slight little gut punch, wouldn't it? If you don't get Bellinger, then you don't get Otani. Yeah, like if you. Why well, mean you even if you don't get to the postseason? If you don't get to the postseason, knowing that you hadn't moved Bellinger and what he could have brought you, and then you could have bid on his services at the end of the year, it'll kick you in the nuggets a touch. Just a little one, maybe not a Timberland boot, but yeah, certainly that, you know for a, me that a sneaker. Only if they don't resign him. If they miss the playoffs, but they resign Bellinger. I think it's you can feel like if you're a Cubs fan, you're, you're building on something here. But if Bellinger walks away, you didn't trade him for anything, and you didn't make the playoffs, I think it's going to feel like a, a missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree with that. I but think a again, lot of Cubs fans will still say that they like the idea of just going for it. Right, and, and listen, you Bellinger, you give him a great offer. If he decides to go elsewhere, there's only so much you can control. Now, my guess is is if you give him the best offer, you've got the best chance. Yes. But who knows? I don't know. No, I think if the Cubs give him the best offer, he's staying here. You hope. Yeah. What circumstance would he not? If he likes it here, you give him the best offer. Maybe he would go somewhere else. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just telling you I don't think there's any guarantee. 
If somebody's close and he wants to be somewhere else, I don't know that. I don't know enough about Bellinger. Sure, you hear he likes it here. Well, he may like it somewhere else, too, if you give him an opportunity. Maybe he'd like Atlanta. Maybe he'd like somewhere else. I don't know. I'm just saying that there's no certainty attached to it at all. But you give him it. You give him the best offer, you've got the best chance. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. It's an interesting question. Knowing now that they've rallied and they're fifty six and fifty four after today's loss, they're still two games up uh, uh, over five hundred. They're still only three games out of the division re- uh, lead. Um, I think this team gets to the postseason. To me, you've had a successful season. What? Yeah. What is? What does success look like now? The rest of the year. Al wanted to talk some football with us. Al, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Yeah. Hi. Um, we've been talking for months about Justin Fields' defense, offense, etc. You know, nobody's talking about the coach who won three games last year who has never been a head coach before, and I don't know what kind of success or what seems like a nice guy, just like the last one we had was a great guy. But coaches are supposed to motivate. Even if you don't have a very good team, the Bears were out of almost every game last year. They were in about four or five games, just in the games, four or five games. And I'm, I'm looking, you know, there's a lot to prove. You saw what happened in Jacksonville when they got a good coach, what happened to Trevor Lawrence. And um, I don't think Trevor Lawrence and Fields are in the same league, but that's my opinion. Well, I would say, uh, but Al, would you not also agree that the Jags last year compared to the Bears last year, they were in different stages? Yes, yes, you're right. So, I mean, the Jags... I would just say this, everybody's giving the coach a pass. See, like, I, I look at it differently in terms of, for me personally, I think it's... The same way I think it's unfair to come to a final conclusion on Justin after two years, I think it, I feel the same way about the coach. Yeah. After one year. After one year, I feel it's unfair. He had, he, his experience was being the head coach of a football team, and I won't say that was trying to lose, but was in a complete rebuild. He didn't show any good decision making. He didn't show motivation. You know, you I, I disagree with that. He's like a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. And he knows his football, but they're a, a leader of an organization should be known not only for knowledge, but also for motivation and for leadership. Al, this, this weekend for my column, I wrote about Eberflus, exactly what you brought up. I don't know a lot about him. We don't know. No, we but, don't but wait, know. Al, That's let me finish. Point. But I disagree with you that he didn't motivate or he didn't have them well, the in games. Tried. They tried. Well, well I mean, yeah, yeah, they and I, they I don't think they down. ever quit on him. Yeah. Nor, nor do I. Th- How many games did you think they were in last year? Four or five. No, I think they were maybe not in four or five. I think they were in the majority of their games. Probably they were in twelve of those games. Like you down to so? the wire <laughs> in the fourth quarter okay. with okay. under with undermanned rosters. Underman roster, I agree with you. Uh, but still, you've seen coaches at all levels who don't have the talent of other teams, and they're, they're in it, and they have winning seasons. They're close to winning seasons. I, and, you know, the, you can, I, I'm just, all I'm saying is nobody's talking about this guy. I, see, and, I disagree with that, Al. I think that we have talked about it, and I think the conclusion that at least here we have come to is that. Well, I don't you know, know that's who your he is. Conclusion. Right. Other people may have different conclusions. Well, but I you, know, can't, you have your I, opinion and I have mine. But Just I, like you know, Justin Fields, you say give him three years. 
I, I look at the eye test with him. He's a great athlete and probably a great person, but I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. You know, he's probably in the top 25. Uh, his athletic ability is off the charts. He's an, he just doesn't get it. You know, he just doesn't read it like an Aaron Rodgers or uh, any of these other guys. There's many people ahead of him. And so I don't I don't Aaron Rodgers a long with time. Him. Yeah, Al, I thank you. Uh, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk you off your opinion at all, but you said I don't hear anybody. We have, the point I'm making is, we have talked about the coach. And the conclusion that we is. have come to is, is that we don't we, know we yet. Don't know. Because the first year of his tenure here was a year when this team was completely rebuilding. I will give you, again, a couple of examples. I, I, I like the tone he has set. I like the vibe that he has set. I didn't believe that the entire season was an example of him being overwhelmed with the job. I thought there may have been a couple of occasions where I thought his team let go of the rope. And by that, I mean they didn't look like their heads were in Just the game. Just a couple. Yes. I, I didn't think that that they, was the case. I they, didn't traded, think... they traded Roquan Smith in the middle of the year. They got rid of uh, Khalil Mack the beginning of the year. They got rid of Robert Quinn in the middle of the year. They got a lot out of Jack Sanborn, an undrafted rookie in, in who was very productive yeah. in the middle of the year. He, as I told you, rectified Eddie Jackson's career in his defense. I thought there was a lot to like. I don't know what he's going to be yet. I, I still don't know. I don't know who the hell Matt Eberflus is. But I don't think you can tear him down yet. I don't. I did not look at the three and fourteen season and put a lot of that on the coach. No. In fact, I thought he got an undermanned uh, uh, staff or of people, not not his coaches. He had an undermanned team that actually played hard for the majority of the season. I didn't think he was out overwhelmed with different decisions that had to be made. I'm sure every coach in the National Football League made a mistake with the red challenge flag every now and again. I don't believe he made the mistake quite frequently with the red challenge flag i thought for the most part he had a pretty even season considering the hand he was dealt we will find out the team is better there's more talent on that roster we will find out who matt eberflus is as the head coach of this football team as the season and next season unfolds three three two three seven seven six if you want to react what to watch for is coming up next Waddle and Sylvie, from our State Street studio to your hellish commute home. We're there with you, making it bearable. Never mind. Back to Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie get you set for your weekend viewing with What to Watch For. What to Watch For is brought to you by Connie's Frozen Pizza. 312-332-3776. Caller 10 wins free pizza from Connie's Frozen Pizza. It's a Friday night. You don't want to cook tonight. Stop at Jewel Osco, Mariano's, Meyer. Pick up a Connie's Frozen Pizza tonight. Put it in and just enjoy. Enjoy. Enjoy a Connie's enjoy. Frozen Pizza. Caller 10 wins Connie's Frozen Pizza. 332-3776. What are you watching for? Waddle? I want you to set your clock. I said your clock for 4 a.m. on Sunday morning because the U.S. women are taking on Sweden in the round of 16. Can I set my DVR for that? You can. Yes, if you want to watch it tape delayed. But, uh, yes, uh, the U.S. women are back in action on Sunday against Sweden, and that's what I'm watching for. Okay. Do you think they're going to win? 
Um, I think they are going to win. I don't believe they've played their best soccer, and I believe Sweden has improved and they have played fairly well. But I think the United States team will find a way to win. I watched on the airplane ride home from Vegas the movie slash documentary on Steph Curry on Apple TV. Um, It's an hour and a half. Many times you guys have told me that when these documentaries come out and they're like three different episodes, that could have been one episode. Yes. This hour and a half documentary on Steph Curry is not good. It's not great. It's fabulous. It is spectacular. It is goosebump worthy. And what I loved so much about it is it is not as much about his Golden State Warrior days. It's basically centered around his Davidson days. And you may not know as much about that. It is so, so, so good about the way he was recruited, about his high school playing days. Uh, Featured his college coach in there a lot. A lot of good footage. Steph is one of the most uh, likable athletes. It's on Apple TV. I'm going to show this to my oldest son um, because it's a lot about perseverance. Um, I cannot recommend you to a sports doc any more than this. Um, It is just so good. It's on Apple TV. I think it's called Underrated. And it's on Steph Curry, and it is awesome. Boys, what do you guys have? Well, gentlemen, for my what to watch for this week, I am uh, I don't need to set the DVR because I'll be watching this live on Sunday evening on yeah, HBO. I, I knew you'd go here. It returns 8 o'clock Central Time, the second season of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers oh, Dynasty. They will weekend. pick right up after the 1980s final, and I cannot wait to see how they disparage the good name of Jerry West in season two. We can't wait to tease Wilbon about this. Oh, boy. I was there. I know Magic Johnson. I know Larry Bird. I don't have to watch this. It is so good. I think Billions is back, too. Did you know that? I gave up on Billions. But but Axelrod is back. Oh, he is? Yes. Oh. Yes. Bobby Axelrod is back. Well, that could be a game changer. Yeah. I think it's it's streaming on Showtime. I don't know where it's at. And Jake, what are you watching for? I will also go Sunday in the afternoon. I believe we have Miami versus FC Dallas MLS on Apple TV. It is for the League's Cup round of 16. It's Messi's first road match since coming to the MLS. And those tickets out in Dallas sold out. Like in 35 minutes. And it was up to a thousand bucks plus. I think now the tickets you can get some for 600 if you're looking to go. But uh, for his first road game um, and it being a League's Cup, it's going to be pretty interesting to see Messi play out there. It's did must I see, watch. Did I see another goal? Was it last night or yeah, the night uh, before? Two nights ago, I think. Yeah, he scored again. He's unreal. Yeah. He's so unreal. So that's what to watch for brought to you by Connie's Frozen Pizza. All right, uh, we've got Would You Rather coming up. Uh, last call for your Would You Rathers. Hashtag WS Would You Rather. If you want to get in on the Eberflus conversation, you want to talk some Cubs they lost today, you want to tease Waddle about uh, what they did to his Reds, winning the last three after dropping the first one of the four-game series, 312-332-3776.